1212. You sound like that. What was that lady from the BT adverts? What was her name? Oh. Uh, Maureen Lipman, wasn't it? Maureen Lipman. But what was the character? BT, oh. wasn't it? Hello, BT. B- yeah, BT. BT, anyway. And her son, Malcolm. There you go. Uh, shall, shall we? Shall we? <clears throat> good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is uh, sad news. It is the last global leadership podcast of 2019 with myself, Anthony Price. And me, Jonathan Bradley, and I cannot believe that we are at this point. It was only January about five minutes ago, and I was thinking, God, Christmas is about a year away. Yeah. And now it's only about a minute away. I mean, how did that happen? It's, do you know what? This year has been one of the fastest years that I can recall. But then my dad always tells me, well, as you get older, son, all the years go quicker. And I'm, thanks, Dad. So you're saying it's even quicker for you than it was for me. Yep. Do you know, I think that is that is the truth. That, yeah. that That is a little bit of truth in a world of untruths, that the world is getting faster as you get older. So as you join us, dear listener, we are uh, only a week away, and less than a week away, in fact, from a general election in the UK. And the feedback <laughs> of our previous episode has gone down very well. Um, I've had several messages of people saying that was the best episode yet. So clear, really, clear, yeah. Clearly, the uh, let's avoid politics is a is is whilst we hate it to talk about it. Um, clearly, it's popular with the listeners. Um, and actually, someone commented they were very impressed with our impartiality. Um, so there we go. I also, by the way, I must offer an apology to Joe, the listener, <gasps> because yes. I incorrectly identified her being from Edinburgh. Uh, when in fact, I think she's from Dundee. One second, because I may have got that wrong again. And for goodness sake, I don't want to oh, get in trouble. Anyway, no. while I'm looking and that up, why don't you tell everybody what you've been up to over the last week since our last recording? Well, I have had a little bit of man flu, which hasn't been helpful. Uh, so I have, I, I did, I think I was, I was in bed on Monday, um, which is quite useful because I got my laptop out and I did lots of work. Nice. Which isn't kind of what you're supposed to do, I suppose. But what else do you do? I mean, it's it's really boring being <laughs> ill. Uh, so I got my laptop out and I've just attended to a load of stuff on on my admin, um, which was which was brilliant. Uh, I have actually won quite a lot of business uh, for next year, which I'm quite excited about. Nice. Um, and some of it's in New York. Um, some of it's in Harrogate. And uh, some of it, I believe, this is probably a little bit premature, is going to be in the Chan Islands. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, plus you and me are due to go, I believe, to Argentina in January. Aren't and we? we've got a bit of Argentina action. So there is quite a, 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 a good load of business coming in for next year. So lying on my back uh, in my bed uh, has actually been quite fruitful. And I'm just <laughs> beginning to wish I hadn't said any of that. Dear listeners, but there we go. And can we move to you swiftly before I get myself into a dead end? Yes. And instead, if you're interested in booking JB, please go to <laughs> trimodus.com. <laughs> um, me, right. What have I been up to? So um, it's been, do you know what? It's a bit like this year. It's just been a bit of a whirlwind the last week. 
Um, we have found our new house. Um, uh. We uh, went and uh, viewed that house further um, to kind of inspect its potential for development. Now, actually, the house is a very nice house, but we need it bigger. Um, I have too many children's accounts. They are just manageable to be squeezed on one hand. And on that basis, we need to go up and out. So we've had a structural engineer out to do that. We then had some family friends, my side of the family, over the weekend. And we went donutting. Ever heard of donutting before? Um, think dry ski slope with a rubber ring. And all the kids just sit in this big rubber ring each going down ski slopes that are dry, which they think is brilliant fun. And it works whatever the weather. So we did that. And then we drank far too much alcohol on Saturday evening. Um, And it's unusual to see my cousin kind of crawling out the door as he left and his wife had to drive them home. So that to me says a good weekend. And then um, this week so far has been a mixture of chaos, really. Um, Lots of busy things happening. Um, and my car service today, I paid £330 to Audi uh, for them to tell me that there was nothing wrong with the car. Um, <sighs> but uh, Oh, my God, that's terrible. Well, that's the annual service plan, so I can't condemn them for it. It is something that is contractually obliged upon myself to maintain my warranty of my new car. So I guess it is what it is. And hence why I am now here with you, hopefully fundraising. So any donations gratefully received, um, you know, to pay for my next service in another 10,000 miles. I'll send you a check, Ant. I just want to check when you were talking about the donut thing. Did you yeah. did you go in a donut or was it just the kids? No, no, no. We did it as well. Uh, in fact, I will WhatsApp you a video of us all going down as one and me nearly taking out a small child. Um, yeah. So you all fit in the donut. Yeah, yeah. There's different size rubber rings. Um, okay. and, and you can then race. You can all hold hands. There are six lanes. It's great fun. Um, look it up. It's in Aldershot. Uh, it's called, what's it called? Just look up. If you Google donutting Aldershot UK, you'll see it in, by your own eyes and ears. Alpine Sports, not for profit organisation. Very good. Cool. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, so this week, everybody, um, we thought, bearing in mind it was the last episode of the year, we would just have an exclusive opportunity for listener questions. Plus, me and JB have a question for each other each, and I guess it might be useful for us to reflect on our experiences of the podcast so far. Um, what do you think, JB? Mm. I mean, what, what's 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 on your agenda for this? This because we haven't planned this at all, just for the benefit of the doubt for any listeners concerned. There is no well, plan. I said framing framing it as a question um, is it is it worth pursuing? Is it worth carrying on? And, yeah. you know, if, 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 so, if you if anyone asked me that question now, I would say definitely yes, mm. because it does keep us on our toes. I think it makes us think. And I really enjoy the listener interaction when we get feedback and we get really good questions. There's nothing quite like it. So if the listener can bear it, Mm. Uh, I think we should continue. Interestingly, for the listeners' benefit, we were never revealed download numbers, but we know we had a massive spike last week randomly. But the most popular episode by download so far is the episode around leading virtual teams. Mm. Um, the least popular episode by download, and they're relatively close, although I say that, there's a 50% difference. But um, the least popular episode was the one on don't panic or, you know, is the un- how can we possibly lead during periods of uncertainty? Um, mm. Which is a shame because actually, and this, this begs the question, I guess, and we wouldn't mind your feedback, actually, if you are listening. Um, is the title important for you to make it a considered download or do you listen to them all anyway? Because we're conscious, we try and make these episodes timeless. 
that you can download this in two years time and in theory it's still relevant um i some of the best podcasts i listen to i love the podcast but then they're they're a bit like yesterday's news a week or two later because the world moves on so if they're a current affairs podcast or a political podcast um it's only as good as the as last week's episode as amazing as it is to listen to these people whereas what we're trying to do is make these episodes kind of timeless so that people that are just discovering us this week, for example, can listen to the back catalogue if they so wanted to. So let us know your feedback. And of course, as we've said many times, well, I've said many times, JB cares less about it. But if you love the podcast, give us a five star review um, and comment because actually it really helps us get discovered by more people. And the other thing is, if you don't like it, um, either stop listening, because we are here by voice. You don't have to listen to us. We're not forcing you. Um, or if you do like us but think we need to improve, tell us directly. Don't leave it on the app stores. Give us a direct message because we can then listen. I promise my New Year's resolution is to um, set up an email address for us so we can receive these types of things directly to our inboxes. I was also thinking the other day, should, should we have a presence on Facebook? Should we should we be on Facebook and I don't know I've, I'm, off Facebook. <clears throat> I'm, I'm off Facebook I'm off yeah I mean I could go back on it um as to 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 do the page I guess um I just you know what I don't know and again maybe we're going off topic here but Facebook used to be a cool place where you'd share memories and experiences with friends and family that you really cared for the networks have kind of got a bit bloated now and I have reduced my network down quite considerably but at the same time the ones I am friends with the only things that I ever see posted is just propaganda and and dare i say it fake news posts and you know and actually trying to convince me to change my political position uh, and i don't want that for my friends you know i i respect everyone has a different viewpoint and clearly looking at the spectrum of friends i have on my facebook i hate to say it, all of the six parties in the general election that seem to be kind of classified as mainstream are all featured and some of them are, are borderline obsessive about it and it, for me um i'm i'm kind of a one of these quiet voters, I have an opinion, and you and me talk regularly when we're on our travels about politics, but I'm not one to post on social media, and certainly I'm, I'm not going to be telling people how I'm voting either. Um, but that's what Facebook seems to become. I don't know what you think. Well, two significant changes in Facebook for me. One is exactly as you've just said, and I did come off Facebook, uh, I must have been about three or four months ago, because I just got fed up with yeah. the... A bombardment of, of of people sending me the most ridiculous things that I would never want in my life, contraptions and things that I should wear, which some of them were actually really quite kinky, and I and I, I was embarrassed. So, so I, hope, I hope no I hope no one um, is going to look over my shoulder at the thing that's just come up on my Facebook, and I haven't been looking at weird stuff on my face on my on my computer. And, and anyway, so that's one of the things about it, and the other is that everyone's getting older on Facebook. And there aren't every all the young people are leaving. I that's my interpretation anyway. So it's all it's full of old people like me. I I think you might be onto something, and I hate to say it, <laughs> I am led to believe that there is a new social media platform, which makes me feel even older. It's like you know, as kids, I used to love the fact I could pro program the remote control for the timer on our video recorder. Uh, now I'm coming of an age where people that are kids that are far younger than me know more than I do about technology. And there's a new thing called TikTok. I must write that down. What What is TikTok? I have no idea. I like to keep up with these trends. I don't know. I know that. So I, I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. I was told to go on Instagram because it is the new Facebook, despite it being the same company. I have a Twitter feed. You and I have a Twitter feed for our lead learn pod. Please do uh, tweet at us if you so wish. But yeah, I, um, TikTok is a new one, apparently. 
There you go. I'll have a look. Shall we I'll get Shall we get onto our first yes. questions? Um, yes, I think I think we should. Do we Do you want me to give one in mind first? One because we've we've basically collated questions that we've aggregated from our various social networks. Who do you want to go first? You You You, you want to go first? What well, shall I ask you a question first? Because normally you ask the question and I answer in the first bit. So let's 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 go with by the seat of our pants in a completely different direction. Direction okay. and see how you cope with this. Oh, right here's 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 the question. Is this a listener um, question or is this your question? No. Oh no 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 no. This uh, this is this is a question that came from one of my uh, people mm. rather than one of one of yours. And he's a guy called Viv Miles. He's uber uber bright, and uh, he's um, I don't think it, it's it's he's Welsh. And and he's got a lovely voice and, and and a lovely, lovely girlfriend and a lovely dog. And if they've got married since, sorry, Viv. But anyway, here's here's a, here's one of Viv's questions, which is: How important is curiosity in a business, and how do you promote and encourage it? There you go. How, that's a, I see. I think that's a bloody brilliant question it is and i guess there are two ways of interpreting the question in my mind are we interpreting the question of personal curiosity of the organization or as a leader curiosity being expressed towards me as the leader oh you see you've spun it off in a completely different direction to the one i was thinking it was so i was thinking of curiosity being a little bit cultural you know that we are oh. curious. We we support curiosity in this business, or we don't. You know we don't. We're not. We can't be. We can't be asked with all that curiosity business and people noticing stuff that okay. other people don't notice. All right. And um, you know, if it is if it is important in a business, how do you how do you how do you make it happen? How do you make more of it happen if it's if it's valuable in your business? Okay, I will have a go at that then. Um, I think curiosity is critical to a business, especially in a transformational and innovative world. Um, I think a business that um, restricts curiosity is almost in its own mind a fixed mindset organisation. Um, innovation and change is so huge right now. Um, I have been in businesses that haven't transformed fast enough even when there is appetite from some in the in that business to be curious and explore new opportunities of revenue streams, for example, or actually trying to keep up with the transformation. And they didn't change quick enough. Um, and they didn't show curiosity to new technologies. For example, let's say printed advertising versus um, digital advertising. And they ultimately collapsed. So um, actually, for me, the short answer is curiosity is, is, is huge in business. Um, and I think actually in terms of promoting it, I think this comes back as being as a leader, um, a big listener, um, because actually sometimes these young people, these TikTok users, <laughs> wherever they may be, uh, actually may have a viewpoint that we haven't listened to. And unfortunately, if they're not connected to us on Facebook anymore because they're using a new platform, they could be innovating without us. Um, so I think curiosity is really, really important. I think exploring things due to curiosity is good sometimes taking risks rather than debilitating yourself for fear of risk is it can be actually more detrimental than trying things i was always told by an ex-girlfriend i should add um i'd rather regret something i did do than didn't 
There you go. How's that? We'll leave it. We'll leave. We'll leave that point there, just in case. Again, we get into some <laughs> some tricky tricky areas. But I, I so I I love a curious leader. I, I love a curious uh, manager. Someone who asks lots of really great questions that come from a position of being curious. You know, and 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 sometimes they they might even use that word, curious. I'm a bit curious. What what do you mean by that? What's that about? What does this do? How does this work? And I love that. Uh, I love that it, that sort of sometimes quite playful curiosity. And if a leader can role model that level of curiosity in things, and that then becomes a leadership thing that we are culturally quite a curious company about how things work and how people tick and and what what increases levels of performance or how the business works or, or innovation i'm curious about what we what we'd be able to do i think it's the br most brilliant word actually uh to allow for good reflection not just a, an instant kind of rational hit uh, a rational right black and white it's either black or it's white no i'm curious about what's between black and white what's the relationship between black and white what's the relationship between a and b i'm curious and i i think that's where innovation in organizations can really start happening so you'd want to you'd want to promote that mm. and i would say this wouldn't i but i and i think this is where viv might be coming from um, and that is uh, that, that that coaching uh, and mentoring uh, part of that is a is a is a curious approach to life, uh, or, or rather, it, it's imbued with a with a with a a large degree of curiosity, and it's a really good style uh, to have as a as a leader. So I, I I think I think that's a lovely one, Viv, and I think Nina should be very proud of you for coming up with that brilliant question. Very good. Very good. Um, so um, shall I go with one of my questions next then? I, if this feels it's very Christmassy. I don't know why. It feels like a sort of we're, we're giving each other gifts <laughs> around the Christmas tree. So this one is from Michelle in Hertfordshire via LinkedIn. Um, yeah. And if you are seen, JB, and this, by yeah. the, way, the word JB wasn't in there. So if you are seen as a yeah. subject matter expert plus a leader, how do you empower those who don't think they know as much? Now that's an interesting question because uh, there's a, there's a couple of ways to read it, and one is that uh, these people don't think they know as much about the subject matter, or they don't know as much about being a leader. So I'm going to I'm going to keep it that open. I'm going to I'm just going to sort of play with that a little bit. Um, so the, the key word in that question is is really about empowerment uh, for those who think that they don't know as much, and it makes me it, it I, so it makes me curious this question about why these people think they don't know as much mm. what has what has happened uh that that makes them feel that they don't know as much 
So maybe this is a bit of a two-way thing. Are they operating in a in an environment where, you know, this person, this leader, has got, you know, a high level of skill and a high level of expertise over what they do and plus, I think, was the word leader. Yes. So... Um, I, I, maybe they need to think about uh, whether they give off this uh, expertise brand to those around them that is perhaps a little bit impenetrable, impenetrable, um, that perhaps in some way uh, they are a little bit unavailable. Uh, to and I'm, I'm I'm just playing this round the other way, and then I'm going to go the other way with it. So I, you know, I think sometimes when you have a team where they think they don't know as much, sometimes it is to do with the manager, uh, who was uh, not not deliberately, uh, and and sometimes accidentally given off the fact that they are the subject matter expert, and that's that. But yeah. but what 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 we want to be able to do is create an environment. Uh, where the employees, the direct reports, feel that their thinking uh, is as valid as the leader. An, an environment where the leader creates this environment where all the direct reports think that their thinking is as valid. Now, now to a lot of managers, that's a, that's a real threat, uh, and that frightens people in, in, in senior-level positions. And so my my answer to that is to promote thinking, to facilitate thinking, to be curious, picking up on Viv's question, uh, about other people's thinking and how they actually come to their thinking and really support that, really support uh, an environment where people... Um, think when when you tune into that and you give that off you're empowering uh y y the other point that i wanted to to add to that environment of 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 recognizing thinking and the process of thinking was our term the, the know me focus me value me mm. which which sometimes you know you need to have a little bit of a reboot and you know these reboot conversations is an opportunity for the leader to say, you know, the best results uh, come from the work of many minds, um, not not just mine. You know, the best results we get come from the work of many and many minds, and that's that's a, a kind of rebooting. If if they feel uh, that they don't think they know as much, in in all my experience of of life so far, they bloody well do. Yeah, and often more. Yeah, they do. So, so I've been around the houses on that. No, they, no, no. I, I, think, I feel quite passionate about it. And, and and I think there's there's a limited amount of things that I can say in addition to what JB's just covered because I think it's a it's a really good answer. Um, looking at your LinkedIn profile, Michelle, and I'll keep your surname clear because I'm conscious you don't want to reveal your full identity. Um, I notice you've been in position for less than six months and and I think you are new to the organisation. So with that context in mind, I guess um, it could be seen 
by others that a legacy manager before you didn't empower those people's thinking. Um, and I guess the idea is here to JB's point is this is all about trust, trusting people or allowing them to feel that their opinions, even if wrong, are not going to be shot down in flames. So creating a safe space and safe environment for them to think and give their thinking to you. Um, and actually, um, I guess um, with you new in position or less than six months, uh, make that almost as an excuse to encourage them to give their thinking and praise them for their thinking would be, I guess, a, a dead practical kind of tip there for you. Um, and actually referring to something that JB said in a previous podcast, um, almost respond um, to their question of your thinking. Well, do you know what? I haven't got a clue. What do you think? How about you, you know, or, or actually I have an idea, but do you know what? I'd much rather you tell me what you think, because do you know what? I think you've got, you know, much better thinking than I have on the topic over to you and see what happens. And I think over time people will realize that now um, uh, some people see subject matter expertise as power over. Um, and I presume from the nature of your question that isn't an intention of yourself. Um, some people, and I've seen this, where managers are not particularly capable managers or leaders, what they tend to do... Have you got a dog tail wagging around your feet? Um, it must be a figment of your imagination. I'm I'm all on my own in here. There is oh. nothing here except me. Maybe it's a, ghost, a ghosty thing. Maybe it's a creaky chair. Anyway, um, some... some um, some incompetent leaders that I have met and worked with over the, the, the recent years, um, I say sometimes see subject matter expertise as power over other people. And therefore, if that is a culture that exists in the company that you're working within, maybe there is this resistance to give it because they realize that actually the reason you're in position isn't because of your leadership capabilities. Actually, it's because of your subject matter expertise. And as you and me, JB, heard in a recent conference, well, I'm not paid to know all the answers that person is, was, was a, a rather flippant reaction. So presuming that none of those are at play, empower their thinking by simply asking bigger questions of their thinking. Mm -hmm would be my short answer to a um, um, probably a, 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 a well-expanded question here. I, I, I think I think it's such an important point and it's a, it's a really great it's a, it's a great question. Uh, and you know I, I, I talk about you know the presentation of self in, in everyday life at work and that presentation, if you can if you can see yourself, Michelle, as uh, you know not only the subject matter expert but also the facilitator of the thinking of your um, people and beyond you know uh, to, to colleagues and so on it's a, it's very much a style and I think it fits in with what Viv was was asking about which was you know how curious are you as as you as you approach your people uh, as you speak to your people would would they say uh, that uh, she asks me great questions that makes me seriously think uh, and rethink um, my thinking so so use the words thinking think thoughts uh to to sort of brand yourself as someone who really does give a shit about other people's thinking um and you know it can be very very powerful when you focus on that you know kind of look in the mirror and think am i am i facilitating other people's thinking by my manner and the questions i ask cool hi christabel Ah, sorry so, to interrupt you. Yes, once again, my, I did no, no tea on this occasion, but um, no, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to get okay. slapped. 
Uh, anyway, so now is it? Um, I think it's my my opportunity to ask you a question. Yeah, Matt. yeah, your turn. Yeah. yeah. So that that, that um, was a was an interruption brought to you on behalf of uh, my wife, who is taking her son off to play rugby. Nice. Um, cool. I'll tell you what, it's a cold day for football practice. I know. Last rather, night. Yeah, where he's incredibly dedicated, he goes out in the freezing cold and practices for hours. So good, good, good chap. Hmm. Um, now, I this this actually this question does come from my wife, who is uh, a fantastic journalist, and um, she asked this question. This is a tricky one, Ant, mm. and it's how to be honest in a post-truth world. She would, wouldn't she, ask that question? Oh, yeah. There you go. You see, that's what you can expect from Christabel. And she's now buggered off to go and play. She's rugby. gone now. Yeah. yeah. So you can't ask her any questions back um i think you need to I, I presume this is in the context of as a leader or is this just in the wider world but let's answer it in the in the in the guise of as a leader um i actually think honesty um to build trust is critical and i think where there is some blurred lines is that where people don't feel that they can be honest for confidentiality reasons they then um either sense that it's a disempowerment that they're not allowed to share it um, or they have to make something up in place of it to make them they, everyone think that they're getting an answer that they want. Actually, a good leader needs to be honest about the things that they can't be honest about. As in, I would like to talk to you about this now, but actually these are things that at the moment are quite sensitive. So please respect the fact that I'm asked for confidentiality here. But the, the things I can tell you are as follows. Um... And this 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 thing this post truth world I think kind of plays out a lot at the minute and even in the last few days, um, there has been a NATO summit in the United Kingdom of all the um, the nations that contribute to NATO and um, I think Donald Trump on Tuesday or Monday this week was in a press conference and made some some suggestion that he was in Scotland the day before the vote and had predicted Brexit would happen and it's been repeated time and time again that in the news since that he wasn't in the country they proved he was in a different country and actually when he said what he claims to have said um it was the day after the vote had happened and it had been concluded that brex was happening so there was no prediction it was simply a i knew this was going to happen um and uh and, and but he's 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 almost so you have to wonder whether he's just convinced himself that this is the truth and everyone else is wrong and any evidence no i'm delirious um so i i i guess um, when you have characters that seem to get away with what other people could never get away with, um, actually, if you're creating a vision of this false world, um, it's not sustainable. And maybe the reason there's a tolerance to it is because you would hope that there is a maximum of four and a bit years left of those types of leaders' tenure. In a business world, I think the the reckoning would come out down on you pretty quickly if you didn't feel it was critical to be honest. Um, I don't know whether I'm answering this in the right way, to be honest, JB, but perhaps you can give some extra colour to your darling wife's pillow question <laughs> that you would then made a note of on a post-it note. Um, well, I did. So I, I think this is, I think it's, a, again, I think it's a fabulous question. I would say that yeah, was would, for my <laughs> wife, but yeah. Um, and, but it, it, do you know what? It, when, um, when Christabel sent me this question, I, I, my first thought was teaching. 
teachers and what they would have to deal with in in the school um, because we've got a bunch of leaders a load of leaders around the world who are lying they are not telling the truth so how as a teacher do you say to kids it's really not a great idea to lie you know it's it's, it's not a it's not a it's not a good characteristic uh to to lie in to me to to your peers to your mum and dad i i i think it's a it's terrible terrible role modeling and i do have a worry that this this is going to leak into into all forms of of life including uh the business world uh and uh you know all sorts of other places like schools as i as i mentioned and how do you, you know i hope you're right and I hope you're right that this is a blip, that this is a uh, a sort of moment in in our history uh, that we can soon forget, uh, because I think it, it's terrible, terrible role modelling, and I'd hate to to see that leaking into other other parts of life, not just politics. I just find it ironic that in a time of of accountability, due to everybody recording everything, Twitter mobile phones recording things real time 30 years ago you probably could have got away with saying something on national television because it would take days in the printed press before it was picked up on and then it's yesterday's news but you, it, it, it's this weird period that you're in and i know that boris johnson has been accused of you know being this compulsive liar and uh, and some of it is true and some of it's not and then this week um the liberal democrats were creating a fake email um, you know, uh, but, and, and it seems to be this accepted behaviour. And and then ironically, you've got people that know full well that there's some pledges of our opposition party, the Labour Party, that are never, ever going to be able to fulfil, you know, 90% of their pledges without bankrupting the country. And yet people will still vote for them and, and knowing full well that that was dishonest. Um, it, it is it's it's bonkers. And, and evidently you and me, JB, I imagine will vote for one of those three parties we've just mentioned. Um, and um, we vote holding our noses due to the dishonesty. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in business, um, I think dishonesty comes out far quicker and people leave. Um, I think the uh, business, young business people coming up through the ranks today will not tolerate dishonesty. They will call it out um, yeah. and they will challenge and they are willing to challenge because do you know what? I don't need this job for life. I'll be here, gone in four years. Do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you at the top now because do you know what? You fire me, I'll go and find another job. Unemployment is low, um, uh, you know, and actually jobs for life are non-existent anymore. And uh, therefore dishonesty now in business, I would say, um, is is a big thing. And and look at the tabloid newspapers, you know, the, these complete nonsensical stories that are made up and people, but to sell newspapers. Um uh, you know, so there's, it's it's a disappointing world. But like you, JB, I genuinely hope it's a blip um, because I can't see it going on much further. I, you you just said something very interesting there, and and uh, it, it in a way I find it quite encouraging because I what, what do you you seem to be disappearing out my the, creaky chair. Sorry, uh, um, I I I wonder I wonder like so many things now. 
um, you know, the, the various kind of youth movements and uh, the millennials getting into organizations. And actually, they are equipped with knowledge and information in a way that we never were at that age. Mm. You know, they have access to to so much more data. And, you know, I think there is sometimes quite a brutally honest uh, approach by some, you know, young people inside organizations, the millennials and so on, uh, which is which is refreshing and exciting. And I think their expectations of uh, leaders, senior leaders is, is actually very high. And, you know, they, they want to hold uh, those people to account for the things that they say, because if the, that company doesn't fit their values, they will leave. Mm-hmm. They, they'll go somewhere else. Uh, so they, they can be mobile and they can question truth. And if it's not their truth, uh, they, do, they do seem to be able uh, to, to, to make that, that decision and, and, and talk truth uh, to, to power uh, in a way that we perhaps, when we, we were younger, uh, we weren't. We didn't have that opportunity. So I hope that there will be lots of uh, organisations full of people mm. who are prepared to use truth and and speak it to power, and speak it to um, you know senior senior leaders. Uh, it does come back to that idea of power over and power with. You know this 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 is dishonesty and these lies uh, are to hold power. Mm. It is power over. It is a, it is it is a means to maintain power by telling lies, and it is an extraordinary uh, time where people will keep telling the same lie again and again and again in the hope that at some point it will stick. My biggest fear, and I I think you're right. I, this is a this is a moment in time. Uh, my biggest fear it is going to win at the moment. It is going to create that effect. Uh, and we're going we're going to have power uh, that tells lies in our lives uh, at the moment, uh, which whichever way we look at it and whatever our political persuasion, yeah, uh, it, it is what's happening. But to, to every uh, action, there is a response. And to 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 uh, just finish this off, there there will inevitably be a response to this level uh, of dishonesty in this post-truth uh, climate that we are in today. There will be a response. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I go off on one, Ant? Sorry. No, no, I'm, no. I'm, I'm more thinking, just, uh... Christabel, you know, this is our festive episode of 2019, oh. the last of the decade. And what a miserable world we end the decade in. Should we, should we pick it up with a, I've got a, a, a positive question for the next question. Okay. Well, well right, it's, okay, a, it's yeah. a lighthearted one. Hold on a second. Okay. My yeah. screen's locked. Where is it? Uh, 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 okay. Um, this is from Debbie in the U S uh, Colorado. Oh. Um, yeah. What's the most amusing experience you've seen in your career? Doesn't have to be as a boss. Just thought it would be a bit of fun. <sighs> OMG. Okay. Right. And so... working in radio, we should have an abundance of them. Well, this this actually my, my um, this was a crazy crazy thing that happened to me. I was working for a company selling shaking machines, shaking machines that. What? Yeah, is this is it, is this a sex toy or? A... Have, you, have you got lambs crying in the garden? No, that's the one year old. Probably oh, it's okay. witching hour. 
Um, Just before bed. <laughs> so uh, this, I was selling shaking machines, and if you go into a uh, DIY store, sometimes they have a machine at the back, and you go and choose your paint, and they right. have a five, two and a half liter or five liter can of paint, and they put a tint in it, and you end up with the color of your choice. You know what I'm talking about. I, I think this know. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think most most countries around the world have got these things. Yeah. Anyway, so um, going back several centuries, my job was to go out to uh, industrial plants, um, demonstrating the the latest. Uh, shaking machine with my little demonstrator which was called an sm5 and it was like something out of star wars sounds it uh it looked like it was quite sweet a quite a sweet little thing with knobs on and a little glass front so and it vibrates and... with knobs on i mean you're really selling a jv yeah <laughs> carry on <laughs> anyway so i had my uh my voxel courser uh i think it was a voxel courser and I, I, I was based in this god-awful place. I'm sorry, listeners, if any of you really like this place, but it's Carn in Wiltshire, and it was horrible. And anyway, that's where our office was, and it was it was the most dreadful place. Anyway, so I, I, I didn't want to work there. I didn't want to sell these bloody things. I hated them. And I set off up north and, and drove for hours and hours up north to places I've never seen before. And... Uh, I got to this industrial plant, I won't mention its name, and I managed to get my SM5 demonstrator out of the boot of the car onto the um, sack mover thing and then got it into the factory floor where I was assembled by a, a bunch of people who actually were there to have a look at it. So we plugged it in and opened the front glass perspex door and shoved uh, their kind of paint in it, and in it went, and then I pressed the button. And I, at this point, I really didn't really care too much about being with this company anymore. Anyway, so the SM5 went absolutely mental and shook the can to pieces, and paint uh, went absolutely everywhere, all <laughs> over the factory floor, um, and the door opened and we had paint coming all over us. We were covered in paint. <laughs> and all we could do was laugh our heads off. They laughed. And I just thought, you know what? I don't want this job. I don't want to be here anymore. And it was we were just all hysterically laughing. Uh, and I obviously I didn't get the sale. <laughs> Did but you I made so <laughs> But I now I unfortunately... <laughs> I didn't get the sale, but I think I made some quite good mates that day uh, yeah. because I think they felt sorry for me. And, How old uh, were you? Uh, oh, they, you oh, that would God. give it away, wouldn't it, I guess? So, you know. Yeah, uh, well, I think I was about 25, 26, and I left the company a couple of weeks later. And, and actually, that was, the, that was the, the CEO who said, uh, Jonathan, you, you're never going to make it as a salesman. Right. And I didn't care anymore. I, I, just, I just didn't care. The SM5. Um, the SM5. I don't know whatever happened to the SM5, but hey. On a I factory floor near you, by the sound of things. Yeah. Anyway, that was, uh, I mean, I don't know whether the listeners find that funny, but it was funny for me at the time. All right. So, um, so I've been reflecting whilst you've been doing your story. So I'm going to talk about uh, an amusing experience when I was working in sales. Um, so this was post 
broadcasting before I then went into more senior things. This was um, in the early noughties where laptops were like gold dust. You had one to do big presentations to clients and you had one laptop between an entire sales team. So it was a very expensive 2000 US dollar, 1000 pound type of laptop this thing was probably had zero spec on it but it had powerpoint anyway um and um the rules were you took this laptop and you did not under any circumstances leave it in a car because your car would be broken into um and you wouldn't leave it anywhere because you'll never get it back because it's like gold dust this is before security was tight on them as well anyway um one of my work colleagues i promise this is not me one of my work colleagues in the team um, turned up to the office uh, in a complete state the morning after this laptop had been delivered. Um, and what had happened was he had um, uh, gone out to the car, um, realised he left something in the house, put the laptop and his pile of paperwork um, on the driveway next to the car oh. and went back in the house, came back out the house, drove halfway to work before realising he had left the laptop and all the possessions on the driveway. Went back, the laptop had gone, along with the other bits and pieces as well. So came into work in a complete state saying, oh my God, I'm going to get fired. Um, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So we were like, oh, you know, I mean, I, I was a uh, early 20s, kind of thought, well, I'm not going to, you know, I don't know what to do. Anyway, long story short, um, he decided the you know he would get definitely his conclusion was he would definitely get fired if it was just due to stupidity of leaving it on the driveway so he kind of thought right what i'm gonna have to do is fake the car break him <laughs> so he went up to a place called dunstable downs um uh, with his company car and another sales rep again not me and they decided to smash the window through <laughs> to make it look like the car had been broken into um, so that then happened, uh, and um, I was back in the sales office with three other people, and we'd been hearing throughout the day through SMSs before any technological stuff what was going on. Um, and um, you can imagine the scene: someone's walking their dog, two people get out of this car, they then are you know trying to put it through a window through, and then getting back in it and driving off, making no sense whatsoever. Um, anyway, gets into the office, and again, this is when you know mobile phones were still in their infancy, if you will. Um, and um, he's, you know, we're all sat waiting for him to go in and tell our boss, you know, the, the laptop's been broken, the car's been broken into, um, really, really sorry. Um, anyway, um, uh, a call comes through to um, his uh, office phone um, from reception, and it's his mum. Um, and his mum said, darling, I saw this morning you had left the laptop and all your possessions on the drive, so I've put them in your bedroom for you. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, that's terrible. <laughs> so well, so anyway, um, he then, on the cuff, because he'd already said to our boss, I need to see you. So about a minute after the phone call had ended, there's kind of this realisation of, okay, the laptop's not nicked, but now I've got to go and explain that my window's been smashed. What do I do? And he managed to pull it off. He went into the boss and he said to her, look, I'm really sorry. Someone had clearly broken into my car today thinking the laptop was on the passenger seat because I was using it whilst I was in a lay-by and then they must have followed me and broken in. But don't worry, I had the laptop on me. And do you know what she turned around and said? Do you know what? This is great responsibility. Well done. Don't worry about the window. The laptop was what we said was important. We can get the window fixed. <laughs> oh, my God. That's terrible. 
Oh, it's supposed to be an amusing story. Did I fail? On no, the no, no. I know it's funny, but I mean, um, God, what a what a labyrinth of lies. I, well, this is true in a post-truth world, and this was in the early noughties. That was before the post-truth. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Pre pre-truth. Um, and and I and I doubt that she ever found out um, until now. So I'm not going to say where it was because um, uh, the guy was called Paul, not the Paul that we both know. <laughs> <laughs> a pull from many moons ago. Anyway, there you go. I mean, we do, we do have, we have lots of, I mean, we really do have lots of stories from our radio days, and um, I've got many, many ones, but I wouldn't want to to broadcast them because some Ironic, of them are ironic, isn't it? Broadcasting incredibly unbroadcastable, mm. uh, just absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Um, yeah. No, I'm not even going to say. No, I'm not going there. I'm not going to. Um, maybe, so maybe if, if we that's get enough, not the kind of podcast we're producing. If we ever get demand for a a fun special, um, maybe yeah. we can. Because you're right. I think we could. I mean, I could write a book about some of the leadership and training events that I've run around the world and the things mm. that go on behind the scenes rather than on the actual training courses. But but there you go. I think we're ready for another question. I'm conscious we probably need to tighten these up a bit because we've been we've been talking for quite a while. We're at 45 I, minutes already. Oh my goodness. Mm. Right. Okay. So, um I'm going to throw one in from Viv again and uh you're you're getting you're getting Viv questions today, Ant. Oh no. So, um what role does ambition play in leadership? God. She Viv is a man, right? Viv, Vivian. Yes. I wasn't sure, uh, you know. Yeah, no, no. Um, yeah. Viv, Viv is a bloke. Okay. Um, what role does ambition play in leadership? Hmm. I think sometimes leaders are naturally hyper ambitious. Um, more often they're ambitious than not. And sometimes they assume a lack of ambition from a direct report is a sense of weakness. And actually, sometimes uh, ambition is very important and sometimes it is not. Um, and therefore, I think ambition is important in leadership because that encourages a vision to be created. Um, but um, as a leader, we need to respect the fact that not all of our people are as willing and ambitious as we are. And we shouldn't punish them for that. Ironically, I often say some of my best direct reports are the ones that are ambitious about being hugely successful in their role, but they have zero ambition beyond it. And that for me is great because I need a safe pair of hands. But equally, I probably need some people in my team that are super ambitious, that want my job, and therefore they're always going to over deliver as they strive for it. But of course, I may have some voluntary attrition there when they don't get that potential promotion. As a leader myself, from personal experience, um, I sit on the side of ambition is critical for leadership because you need to have desire to achieve something and ambition to achieve those goals. And that needs to be translated into a passionate vision that you can campaign to your direct reports. And I think a lack of ambition um, can demotivate your team quite quickly, even if you work in a compliance functions, for example, uh, and actually the role for you is to make sure that none of your clients are not compliant for the year ahead. Now, that sounds something that isn't ambition at all, but clearly your customer or your client have signed up with you to prevent, you know, that, to mitigate risk. And therefore, your ambition should be to make that compelling and exciting. And I think we should always try and strive to overachieve as well. 
Um, you know that, but that's the way my DNA is. So in terms of a leadership sense, I would suspect for me on a scale of one to 10, it's got to be right up there with eight and a half, nine um, in terms of ambition. Um, but equally, do not punish people that are reporting to you if some of them are not ambitious. If they are loyal and they're committed, that's important. Ambition, um, depending, you know, you don't want all of your people being super ambitious because it makes it an absolute nightmare to lead if everybody is as ambitious as you might be as the leader of those people. But there's my take on a short reflective time, Mr. Bradley. You see, I, I, I think that I, I think you're on it and I, but I, I, but. I, I love, I, no, no, there's no, there's no, but, but I, I, I love, I love, I love Viv's question because it, 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 it actually probes my brain um, in in so many ways because I'm thinking about breaking that question up. You know the the role, mm. uh, the, the the role of the leader. You know if we if we think of it as a a role that a, a, a leader is performing, if if they are required to perform the role of being ambitious to achieve certain company objectives visions, um. If they don't have that ambition, then they're not authentic, are they? Mm-hmm. You know, if they, if they don't feel it, that that's not their ambition, then that's going to be very, very difficult for a leader to be authentic. So I'm interested in in this idea of the role. What role does ambition play? And also uh, Viv talks about leadership and he doesn't frame it as the leader. He talks about leadership. And I think there's quite an interesting difference between leadership and a leader. So leader, you know, what we expect of a leader as, as one person uh, these days, what are, we, what are we looking for? Are we looking for them to be ambitious? Are they authentically ambitious? But then I think about leadership, and I think leadership is plural. I think leadership is about... Uh, an organization's leadership and how is that doing in terms with its ambition and you know is that cultural is that within the culture of that that organization uh, is there is there a genuine authentic ambition uh, to get uh, to the moon within a decade and uh, I I I I find the whole question um, quite interesting, and I know Viv does quite a lot of work around uh, these areas. He's a he's a uh, super duper coach, and uh, the the word curiosity came from his first question, mm. and ambition came from his second. And I wondered if that was the same question composer because they weren't dissimilar in wording. Mm. So I think they're 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 thought provoking questions. And I, I, I would say to to listeners, you know, maybe maybe those kind of questions might be quite useful um, in having conversations with your direct reports, uh, your leadership teams. You know, what role does ambition play in leadership? That would be a fabulous question uh, to ask a, a team, actually, and and to really get get underneath that that word of ambition. Some and of how these, authentic? Some of these questions can be an episode of a podcast in their own right. I suspect. Yeah, I think so. Well, perhaps we could invite Viv to come and ask us a few of these. He's, he asks fantastic questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are we ready for another? 
Um, I think we we probably are. Yeah. Okay. This one is from Alex, um, and it goes as follows: in Singapore, by the way. Sorry. Um, okay. Since listening to your podcast, I realised I'm a total taskmaster. I don't inspire. I don't allow others to think for themselves. Really, as I'm getting a reputation um, for uh, being a micromanager. I've seen the light, but I need to shake it off. Help. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I think this goes back to the uh, the very um, uh, is it Alex? Yes, wonderful Alex. Alex with uh, an I X. Right, I I, um, I think there is there is great opportunity here because this uh, honesty and uh, you know bringing bringing this this up, I think, is fantastic, and and I, I think it gives you this opportunity to to have a bit of a, a kind of reboot. Um, and you know to to get get your people uh, to hopefully be as as honest as as you are. And I think I mentioned earlier um, with, with another with the answer to another question, and that was the best results come from the work of many minds. And you know I I think it is positioning yourself now, repositioning yourself as as n- not only uh, you know the the leader. Uh, the manager uh, of your area, but also uh, a great facilitator of thinking uh, from your team. Um, and this is this is where you know the kind of reboot conversations, the conversations that we must have about the kind of conversations we must have is it's at, it's at that point now uh, where you get your team um, and and it's whether you want to do that individually or collectively or both my suggestion would be both uh to to actually really talk to them about how how do we have conversations going forward uh i don't i don't have all the answers um i am massively interested uh in the way you think the process of your thinking it is not all about me or my thinking uh, my job uh, is to focus on your learning, your performance, and your development within this organisation. And I will do anything that I can uh, to help you to realise your potential and to to build the reputation that you want in this business, to build your track record that you can that you can cash in on whether inside this organization or beyond this is this is a a really big moment uh, i think to to have these conversations with people in your team it is not okay for people to think that you are going to take responsibility for their learning their performance and their development for the rest of their time within this business that's not okay it's not okay anymore and it would make you feel very disappointed you've been very you've been very honest about you know the 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 frustration um and there are things that you can do uh to to reframe these things and i think the most inspiring thing is to be really honest with them about how you feel about this even if it makes you feel uncomfortable tell them tell them 
this is probably one of the most uncomfortable meetings I'm ever going to have with you because I'm going to ask you questions that I wouldn't normally ask you. There are things that I don't know that I want to know. There are things that I want to focus on that I haven't focused on. And I want to value you and I want to value your thinking. And if I haven't given you that impression so far, boy, I want to give it to you now. Year and that's how I want to work with you. Yeah. Year end review, new year, new resolutions, great opportunity to have these types of conversations now, I think. Um, and, and nothing to add, I think, what JB's already said. I'm conscious of time, but actually I think it's all been well covered just there. Um, but thank you for your question. JB, your turn. Okay, um, so what can be done to remain composed during these high-change, high-pressure times? Where do you start? Um, I think many people, um, you and me included, would probably agree that this is probably one of the more stressful periods of work life yeah. that I've experienced. And that isn't just because of the employer that I happen to choose. I think it's the the transformational world we live in. So I think this is a well-placed question. Um, remaining composed. Um, I think discipline above all else is probably critical, which I could be seen as being guilty of not necessarily being disciplined myself. And when I've reviewed, when I've perhaps been less patient than I would like to be, it's because I've not been disciplined, for example, in work-life balance, uh, in devoting time to keep on top of the day job because of big other projects that get in the way. Um, and I think um, interferences in everyday life at work can clearly make performance more complicated. Um, volatility and uncertainty, we talk about regularly um, on leadership programmes in the organisations that I work with at the minute. And of course, that can that uncertainty manifests itself into anxieties. Um, and I think it's it's a vicious circle. Um, so for me, by remaining composed during those periods, it makes the team that report into you and peer groups teams more stable as well, which actually then translates itself into a calmer environment. If I play up and I'm short and sharp and difficult with people who are already feeling the stress levels rising, actually that then makes it 10 times worse than it would have been had I've internalized those emotions. That said, what you can't do is internalize it. So my recommendation would be being dead practical would be to find yourself a buddy who you can vent at, um, knowing that they uh, have a degree of confidentiality and trust where you can vent your frustrations, um, but actually work those thinkings through. Don't just rant and then hang up and say, yeah, I feel better for that, but I haven't actually really worked out how I'm going to move on from it. So find yourself a good coach. <laughs> um, I know Trimodus is available during some <laughs> gaps during January, February in 2020. And there's nothing left. It's all gone. Oh, January, February, uh, March. April. April, yeah. yeah. Um, and 15% if you mention the the discount code JB4 <laughs> or SM Paint Distributor. Um, <laughs> uh, if you've been ducking in and out of this podcast, that would make no sense whatsoever. Anyway, um, so I think... Uh, the honest answer is um, find yourself a buddy, a mentor, um, and uh, build time into your agenda to 
keep things disciplined in terms of your time management. Build blocks into your calendar, which are just general blocks to give you a buffer for things. Go and walk the dog religiously at a certain time every day in the middle of your day, um, if work permits you for doing so. Um, I used to do that a lot, and it was a great way just to get away from the desk. Um, and if you work in a city, build time in to go around the block. And actually, don't have any call schedule. Just go and clear your head. It can make all the difference. Um, just a chance to compartmentalize your thoughts, because I think in this high-pressure world we currently work in, it can be quite overwhelming and almost debilitating because you're drowning in all this stuff that's going on. I hope that helps. I think that that's that's I particularly like the uh, the walking of dog thing. Um, walking is great, and doesn't that sound weird that we're talking about walking? Um, the most underestimated skill that we have that and breathing. How bloody clever! Well, that was my second point. You <laughs> just stolen. Sorry. <laughs> how how clever it is that we learn how to walk? Uh, but that's another that's another thing that I, I might well raise later, but. Um, I, I was going to say breathing is is really really so important, and and for listeners who turn off at this point and decide not to listen to this podcast anymore because I start talking about breathing, um, then I'm really sorry, but I will talk about breathing because when you learn to to breathe and you do some really good good breathing, lots of lovely intakes and outtakes uh, with your breath. Uh, preparing to go into things, going into those challenging conversations that you need to have, uh, or doing that big presentation. For God's sake, don't forget uh, to breathe. It's a it's a wonderful way uh, to stay composed uh, in in those moments. I think the other thing is, you know, be be aware of the things that you can actually change. Uh, don't try and change things that you can't. So be highly selective uh, about what you can control. Um, you know, try and have, as Ant says, you know, those conversations with other people and, and ask, get them to ask you questions around your your sense of control, what you can control, and, you know, where where you are with uncertainty, what support you need, and what your appetite uh for uh, for 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 change is actually you know what what is your appetite for for uncertainty are you okay with it or is it just too much what 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 can you deal with so so conversations around you know sense of control uh how much uncertainty you can actually deal with what certainty can you have right now what is it what does it actually look like uh and what support do you need I, I like this idea of uh, getting a team behind you. Um, so if Ants, if Ant, you know, not not your direct reports necessarily at all, but if Ant, if Ants to uh, propel himself into you know yet sort of higher echelons of corporate life, uh, you know he he's going to need uh, you know team Ant. Uh, you know, sort of I, I imagine them in in fantastic uh, hot hot pants and hot suits and and logoed up and um ready to 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 look <laughs> at oh, oh, well so the picture i'm building is that you know so when you when you come off into the into the pit for a tire change you know all of those people are around doing all the things that you need uh to get you back on track 
um, to get you literally back on track. You know that 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 team are there uh, to to support you. So who's t- who's Team Ant? Who's Team JB? You know who's Team Michelle? Uh, who's Team Viv? You know who who who's your team? Uh, because I think identifying that team and then thinking about control, uncertainty, support and pressure, you know, what, what what can you do with those things? Perhaps with the team behind you, if you identify it and they know they're part of your team, uh, God knows what you could do. All sorts of exciting things. I need that myself to remain composed. Uh, and that that that's great for me. And I do have a coach um, and various other people uh, who helped me to 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 do what I do? Hmm. Um, I'm conscious of time. Should we? What, what do we? Should we? Should we do one more question each, and then we'll keep these ones back for our first episode in January? Yeah, no, I think so. I think that's a very very good idea. And yeah. Okay. So the last one from me then. Um, uh, one second. Sorry, my screen has locked again. Um, and I'm going to keep this one as a lighthearted one, um, as it's as it's the festive episode. Oh, um, yes. This is from Melissa uh, in Germany, Frankfurt. Tell us three things about your personal life we might not know already. Ooh. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. So have I have I done the 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 thing about me being a banjo player in a heavy metal band? No. Right. Let's presume not. I don't think so. I mean, I okay. know that. Yep. Right. So I'm a banjo player in a heavy metal band. Uh, number two, I've got six kids. Um, He's been busy with the fizzy. Number three, my wife, Christabel, who's appearing in our podcast, regularly. probably slightly too regularly. She'll be claiming royalties. Uh, she was my best friend when I was 17. And Valentine's Day is coming up in February, everybody. <laughs> okay. Uh, three things from me then. Uh, not as busy as JB. I have four children, uh, a teenage girl and uh, three uh, under nine-year-old boys. Joyous. And one of them has been featuring heavily in the background of this podcast, clearly um, with the witching hour going on in a room near me. Number two, um, I once did a radio show naked and ended up in a newspaper where actually one of my friends who was on that show me naked um, asked me for the press cuttings the other week. And I don't must have been a big, big newspaper to put you in it. Well, just FYI, I had at the time, this is when vinyl was still big. I had an album and my friend John, he had a single and uh, and Gareth had a cassette tape. (laughs) They'll kill me for saying that. Not true. I definitely did have an album, though. I think they had. I think we all had albums, but I like to tell that little thing. So, yes. Yeah, so one, four children, two, uh, radio show naked. Number three, um, my father has the coat of arms from the Duke of Edinburgh royalty in the UK for installing and building the first computer that went into Buckingham Palace in 1983 to manage the Duke of Edinburgh's diary. That's fantastic. That's brilliant. Um, and was Prince Andrew born by then? <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> I uh, bet he was on that computer probably. doing stuff. Internet didn't um, exist then, though, sadly, but uh, hey-ho. Uh, can I add one more that, that, I, that I'm going to surprise I... one of our listeners I know by saying this, Go on. if I may? Mm. 
I have recently really got in to bingo. Yeah. I've, I've been to the bingo twice. For those that listeners that might not have heard of bingo, because it isn't massive outside the UK, perhaps you could uh, explain the rules of bingo. Right. Okay. Uh, so you go into this... The, the one that I go to is a, it's called a mecha bingo. Oh. And it, it's crazy. It's like, it's, it is like being on a cruise ship. And it's got lots of swirly, flowery carpet and lots of kind of moody lighting and a stage where people call out these numbers uh, on a and on in the front of you in, in the, on your desk you've got a a card with lots of numbers all over it and they call out the numbers and they call it out in a really interesting way like they go 22 that's double 2 22 number 11 all the ones <laughs> anyway i get quite excited about what are you doing? I'm doing sound effects. What might go on in your bingo hall? Ah, oh yes. Well, it is slightly like that. You're anyway, right. I haven't, I haven't actually won anything yet, um, but I've been twice, and I will report in when I actually win anything. The, and it's a bit of a laugh. It's good fun. The, the the simple idea of the game is you need to get all of the numbers on your card cleared first, or a line, isn't it? It's line or house, right? Yeah, you, you, you do a one single line first. If that fails, then you go on to the next thing, which is a double line. And if you don't get that, then you have to have a house thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a novice. I'm, I'm beginning to, to pick it up. Um, but it was done as a little bit of a joke. I was in the pub and I said to my mate, who's the lifeboatman uh, in Ramsgate, uh, I want to do something really crazy this afternoon I've never done before. And he said, if, if I give you the um, idea, you have to do it. And I said, okay. And he said, right, this afternoon, Jonathan, you are going to play bingo. And I said, get away. I've never played bingo and I have no intention of. But he said, well, you said. I said, okay, I will. And I've been twice since. Wow. Because it's that much fun. There you go. There you go. Four interesting facts. I don't have a fourth. I'm sorry. I'm all out. I thought you were going to talk, talk tell your King Charles the first one, but save that for another episode. No, I, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that back. Fair enough. Uh, your last question, I guess, then, of the year, of the decade. <gasps> have you ever corpsed? I beg your pardon. <laughs> when? You mean when, what, during... A show or on stage or have you just gone and done something and actually just lost your shit? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've got that question. Not many things make me really laugh. Um, but actually you and me working on a few things has caused regularly um, us to kind of try and keep it together very, very badly. Um, but on the radio, yes. Um, uh, it's normally when someone says something they shouldn't have done, but there was one particular occasion, I think, where it wasn't something they said. It's actually something that they accidentally let go um, of some bodily um, muscles that <gasps> relaxed a bit too much, and it was a proper ripper. <laughs> and um, this person kind of just looked mortified and then, um, yeah, it went around the studio of just and everyone lost it and then no one could talk. And then eventually um, we had to go to a nap break. So, <laughs> what about you? Oh, well, a bit similar, actually. Um, 
a show many years ago. There was um, uh, a, a, a listener who came on and um, talked about strapping someone to a Harley and, and doing something from behind. And it, it was just out of nowhere. And that was what they were going to do. I think it was what they were going to do at Christmas, uh, which was um, strap <laughs> strap this person to a Harley and and take them from behind. And it just and it just came up on air, bang, just like that. We couldn't stop it fast enough, and it was hilarious. And we also had to go to an ad break. Um, but you know, there are so many radio. We we ought to do one one show, probably completely separate from this. Which what about is, our listener uh, Dirk could come on, couldn't he? He could tell a story or two. Oh, I I think he has he has many. Um, there are some very very interesting stories from from those days. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's let's keep the lid on those things for now. Otherwise, we might get I'll probably get sued already for what I've said tonight already. <laughs> yeah, true. So we are at the end of our our questions. In fact, our decade um, of podcasts. I know we're only on episode. I think it's ten. It is now maybe nine. Wow. Um, highlight of the podcast recordings so far this year for you, Mr. Bradley, what would they be? Uh, I think, and for me, being on the banks of the Danube, uh, looking across the water um, to Budapest, uh, I think that was that was the beginning, really, of this little adventure. And I, 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 for me, that was it was really a nice start we were relaxed uh, in a, in a, by then hadn't we yeah really and we had a, we had a, a nice little bottle of wine and it was it was a it was a it was a great it was a great starting point so that for me is my little highlight i don't know about you i had um, a, a question um about a shout out that we'd done and they said have you had a did you have a bottle of wine in this week's recording i went no no we've been sober for the last couple of episodes actually <laughs> is that to the episode's detriment um my highlight was actually the first one in singapore um it was a two-hour bonanza um and we we had arrived despite the fact it's recorded so none of this is live and and me and jb know that when you see the red light for the first time in a radio studio and you know that you're talking to thousands of people at the other end of a transmitter that you can understand so to have the anxiety that you and i had in singapore and still looking at each other as if there was a big red light and a million people listening was was really odd but for me there was this realization after about 25 minutes into the podcast of actually do you know what i think that we can do this this is this mm. is interesting. This is, and and you know, you listen to a lot of podcasts out there, and they are very scripted, um, a bit false. Um, and you know, so great to hear you tuning in today. And today we've got a great interview with them. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know, and and that's not us. Um, and I and I think there was a realization after twenty five minutes. Cool, we're doing something a bit different. Um, there are some good podcasts out there that I listen to. Um, which have this natural chemistry. And I think it was that realisation at 25 minutes into episode one in Singapore of, okay, we've got this. I think we, we this can work. Um, and I guess um, if I am able to have a second, it's this realisation that actually there isn't a, it's not that difficult to, to get new episodes together. You know, you kind of think, well, we must have covered everything by now. I think, you know, we can, you know, these questions alone have got given us six months of episodes now if we wanted to. Um, so yeah, the, the episode one, after the anxiety had dissipated was was my highlight 
There you go. Um, Brilliant. What's your uh, What's your plan for the forthcoming weeks before we come back on air in January? Well, we got a bit of work on Friday, haven't we? We have. Um, I'm still contemplating whether I'm going to drive in the morning or stay overnight, actually, because oh. it's all the way around the M25. And for those of you who don't know the M25 on the parts of the world, it is a road to hell. Mm. That's uh, Chris it is, Rea, it's, good song. That's it. It's got it's got roadworks all over it, and it's a nightmare, particularly in the morning. So um, I'm sort of thinking about um, staying over. Anyway, that's boring for the listener. Um, I have a bit of a laid back weekend. Uh, and Christmas. We got Christmas and New Year. What's your plan there? Christmas here. I'm going to be barbecuing a turkey. Uh, which is a thing that I do. I I, I baste it, I marinate it, um, and I put it in a on a bain marie in in the barbecue, and put the lid on. And there is nothing more exciting than a barbecued turkey. So I do that for Christmas Day, and then the next day we go to a place called Oundle, um, near Peterborough, isn't it? near near Peterborough, <coughs> which is a family thing, and. Uh, yeah, then it's. I think it's sort of endless whizzing about all over the country, which is fine. Nice. What about you, Ant? Um, short term, uh, we have our little gathering. We have a, a also a wedding to go to um, on uh, Saturday. A BBC friend, actually, um, Matthew and Aisha are getting married in London. And then uh, it is the re- countdown to Christmas, a couple of Christmas lunches. Um, and over Christmas, we are hosting, I think it's 19 people, all four of my children, uh, plus uncles, aunties and things. The last one in this house, we've got a big open space, as JB will know. So we tend to end up being the hub of activity and new year. God, do you remember that when I I used to DJ in clubs and bars and new year was a, always a standard of working. So this, uh, is quite nice not having to do those sorts of things anymore. And there is a plan to do nothing every new year because at the end of first week of January, first of the travels begins. I'm off to the Lake District in January, uh, where I imagine I'll be recording the next episode with you. And then uh, it's all over. You and me are in Argentina. Then I'm in Hong Kong. Uh, and then at some point I need to move house. So it's going to be a busy January, I suspect. So that sounds me. like it. it does. Crazy, it does. crazy kid. So um, we do have some questions outstanding for our next episode. But um, honestly, we clearly for those of you that have listened for the duration of all these episodes, um, I guess um, thank you for listening. Um, we still want more questions, though. Um, a lot of people comment that these questions are really good for them. They get, you know, their short little bursts of insight. Um, and they are good fun to do, and we kind of don't know where they're going to go, and JB and me don't always reveal the questions in advance, so thank you for those. Please continue submitting those to us, um, and also um, please give us your feedback. If you like it, you don't like it, um, give us a call and tell us what you think. Anything to add, JB? No, I think I think that's great, and um i can't believe this is our last podcast this year i'm feeling a bit sad already well we could do another bonus episode but um i suspect when we reconvene the political landscape (gasps) will be conclusive at least well let's presume so well i wouldn't you don't (laughs) (laughs) it's all a bit up there it's all a bit weird i don't trust any of it no 
anyway, so at least there will be clarity of, of what the outcome was and whether that provides any um, certainty is, is a different conversation, but hey-ho. Um, and as yet, we haven't decided on an episode for our January one, so if you have any suggestions, I know we had a suggestion from one of our listeners, um, and we've yet to do that, and I think there's two or three others in the melting pot, so... And there we go. That is it for the Global Leadership Podcast of the decade. You won't hear us until the next decade. In will be in oh, the twenties. God. Yes. Gosh. And I celebrate. How did we get there? A big birthday in January. Thirty. Thirty. Yeah. That'll do. Yeah. Yeah. That will do. Anyway, I've I've been for the last time in a certain decade. Uh, I've been Anthony Price. And I've been Jonathan Bradley. And if you've got this far, thank you for giving us a damn good listening to. Bye-bye.